Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my prior, Father Stephen Alcott. Let's begin uh, by invoking the intercession of our Blessed Lady, the Seat of Wisdom. Hail Mary, full full of of grace, the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So, um, recently we had a new document come out from the Holy See, and it's on end-of-life issues. Now, it's, uh, it's called Samaritanus Bonus, the Good Samaritan, on the care of persons in the critical and terminal phases of life. That's put out by the Congregation of the Doctor of the Faith. So, it's... Um, I was listening to one comment today saying, you know, we just wanted to restate the Church's position on euthanasia and, and uh, die, right to die, and we could have do that, done that in two sentences. But it's a fairly extensive document, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I understand you have a copy of it, so yes, perhaps you would like to give us uh, your reading of it. Certainly. Yes, um, one of our Dominican uh, bishops, you know, who... Who, uh, who works with the CDF uh, or has um, told us that, that um, a lot of the sound bites about this document have, have seen it as just that, sort of a restatement of the church's opposition to euthanasia and the church's underscoring of the value of every, every human life, even a suffering life. Um, but the document is much more than that. Um, it's, it's also, uh, on the one hand, it, it, it tells us of the theological meaning of the suffering that often accompanies our our sickness unto death, um, and and it compares that to um, the very experience of Christ Himself, and and this and uh, His mother and the and the other disciples at the foot of the cross, and then towards the end it goes on to give very practical guidelines to Catholics who would find themselves um, in the place of the Good Samaritan, you know, mm-hmm. at the side of someone who is who is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, Namely, not only doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals, but also extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, mm-hmm. um, also chaplains, also um, others who, uh, and of course priests, you know, who would who would come to to bring the sacraments to the mm-hmm. sick. So it's a, so it's a, it's not only um, uh, a restatement, especially in the face of of uh, many international. Um, uh, there are different laws all over all over the world that are making it easier uh, to to take someone's life in the name of and even demand uh, doctors demand doctors participate in it. Right, right. So there's a question of the freedom of conscience of healthcare workers. Right, and it deals well. with this as well. Yes. Um, so there's that part to this document, um, which is is very important and timely, although not new. Um, but there's another aspect to it that really is a is a beautiful reflection. Um, and a very timely reflection on what it means to suffer, um, what it means to find ourselves fragile and vulnerable and sick. Um, 
the document opens um, uh, with uh, the Good Samaritan, which we read about in Luke chapter 10, um, who goes out of his way to aid an injured man. And the document points out that the Good Samaritan signifies Jesus Christ, who encounters man in need of salvation and cares for his wounds and suffering with the oil of consolation and the wine of hope. He's the physician of our souls and bodies, the faithful witness of the divine salvific presence in the world. Um, so, so that's how the document points out. It starts out right with Scripture. It starts out with Christ, not simply mm-hmm. you know ethical principles. And Christ is the one, um, in that parable especially, who gives us um, a, guide, a guideline, in fact a roadmap, of how we should uh, approach suffering, how we should approach our own suffering, and how we should care for the suffering of of others. Um, for example, one one principle it says is um, it's it's important for the medical profession to cure if possible, but always to care um, to realize that sometimes an illness is incurable. You know, we reach a point eventually where we realize that human life has a one hundred percent mortality rate. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, even Christ Himself, you know, suffered our own mortality before He rose from the dead. Um, so, cure is not always possible. Um, and even though our technology and our the, the advance of medicine makes it possible to cure more and more illnesses uh, and extend life longer and longer, even when mm-hmm. there is an incurable illness, um, when 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 it comes to the point that cure is no longer possible sort of a miracle, it doesn't mean that the care should cease, or it doesn't mean that the care should simply become, quote, care should be taking away that person's I have two brothers. Life. I have two brothers who are doctors, and I remember when they were first starting out, this was something tremendously difficult for them, to actually find their patients would die. And in mm-hmm. spite of their best efforts, in spite right. of the, all the, for, the force and power of modern medicine, people would still die that they were not in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. As my father was also a doctor, said, art, you know, medicine is much more art than science. Mm-hmm. And yet there is something about the one who approaches you, you know, shares your pain. This is something I think that a lot of professionals are uncomfortable with. Indeed, our whole culture is com- very uncomfortable with the whole idea of suffering and death because it's, it's, the, great, it's the great truth that puts uh, – that shows – the culture's materialism, its fearfulness, mm-hmm. its short-sightedness, mm-hmm. shows it in in great uh, clarity, mm-hmm. and and shows the, the the narrative of what a good life is supposed to be, to be a lie, mm-hmm. and to be a lie. You know that uh, that you know death will take everything away from you. Mm-hmm. You know it takes. I mean, you think of the some of the people we have anointed, you know, in nursing homes, you sure. know, in their nineties, you know, or their funerals, where like there's nobody left to to mourn them. Mm-hmm. They've survived all their relatives. Yeah, you know, there's right. there's no one around, and um, and what? How is it to pass through that death? And mm-hmm. who is their companion? Frequently, it's the it's the medical professionals. Right. Yeah, I remember when I was a. Uh, um, my previous assignment, um, I got to know, participate in some some patient care meetings, which mm-hmm. we'll have sometimes with the chaplain, especially if a patient is right. very seriously ill or dying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I would meet some young doctors who, you know, had just gotten out of medical school. They knew the absolute latest and, right. you know, uh, the testing and treatment and therapies you can give to someone in any kind of, and it was a, it was mm-hmm. a research hospital, University of Virginia, you know, I mean, people, the people are flowing in there from right. all over. Um, but there was a sense sometimes that, you know, if a, if one of their patients died, it was a failure on their part. Right. You know, perhaps in some cases you might think of it as a failure, but you know, it's, it's not, death is not simply a failure, you know, like we talk about mm-hmm. organ failure, you know, heart failure, you know, failure in the sense of, of something that's, um, shouldn't be, you know, but, but, but maybe to think of it as, um, this is part of, of our, of our destiny, you know, as in God's providential plan, you know, now that death has entered the world, you know, Christ right. changed the meaning of suffering and death in a profound way on the cross. See, if you're a materialist, does none of this make sense? Right, right. Okay, and this is the problem. You know, in some ways, health care is about the health of the body. Now, mm-hmm. you can extend psychological care to talk about the health of the mind, but medicine really doesn't deal with purpose or meaning. Right. You know, the spiritual side of things. You know, what to what end am I living? To what end? And so we, we, we find that uh, there's great concern about the health of the body, but less concerned about the emotions that go with it, unless you're actually involved in psychological care, and very little or no interest in the spiritual life in, right. among the normal situation professionals. I'm not saying the pastoral care people don't, in the hospital don't care, but frequently you're, you're inhibited. You're inhibited from your, your work as spiritual counselor by the demands of the other profession. For instance, um, in the present COVID reign, you know, we have people who are separated, you know, they have 50 years married, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody is 85 years old, they're 85 years old, one's in a nursing home, the other's living at home, and they can't visit each other. They can't spend what time they, little time they have left together, Mm -hmm. enjoying each other's company for the, you know, because uh, of the COVID regulations, for instance, sure. you know that yeah. they're not allowed to get together, and it's a little crazy in some sense. You know, mm-hmm. they're, uh, uh, but as I said, I think it's about this materialism that's built in the culture mm-hmm. that is only concerned about the body as functioning mechanism right. and does not see that the meaning of one's life and one's participation, the participation of other people in your life, in love given, love received service given service received is so important to mm-hmm. uh human humanity in general and is at the core i think a christian witness right. i mean the good samaritan approaches a man who is maybe already dead mm-hmm. he sees him lying in his blood on the side of the road he the, the levite and the priest have avoided him precisely because he's unclean you know ritually if they touch him, they're probably going to be made ritually unclean for worship in the temple that they're going to. Mm-hmm. And so the Samaritan comes, and he does not fear to approach this man who may already be a beyond hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yet he and he may be dying already. You know, his right. application of oil and wine may be futile, mm-hmm. but he does it anyway. Right. And this is how Christ deals with us. This is how we are called to follow Christ. Right. Become a part of people's pain, people's sorrow, people's loneliness. Right. There's a great um, key word in this <clears throat> in this document, <clears throat> which is to remain or to abide. Um, we see that uh, sometimes there's there's very little you can do in terms of giving more treatment or more 
or more drugs, um, but, but we can always abide with the person who is suffering. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a, lively, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott, and we've been discussing uh, end-of-life issues and uh, critical care issues uh, as raised by the new doc- Vatican document, Samaritanus Bonus. Right, and, and uh, there's a be- let me just read this one beautiful paragraph uh, in, this, in this document. Um, it's, it's in the context of speaking about um, Christ thinking of his, of his mother and his beloved disciple upon the cross, um, you know, in, in a situation which um, bespeaks abandonment and loneliness and desolation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're remaining with him uh, in that, and he wants them to, to remain with each other, you know. Um, uh, even after he dies, and of course after he rises but returns to his father, In this perspective, to gaze at the crucifix is to behold a choral scene where Christ is the center because he recapitulates in his own flesh and truly transfigures the darkest hours of the human experience, those in which he silently faces the possibility of despair. The light of faith enables us to discern the Trinitarian presence in the brief, supple description provided by the Gospels, because Christ trusts in the Father, thanks to the Holy Spirit, who sustains his mother and his disciples. In this way, they remain, and their remaining at the foot of the cross, and in their remaining at the foot of the cross, they participate with their human dedication to the suffering one in the mystery of redemption. So that key word is is to remain. Um, for a man who's, uh, you know, who's been condemned to death and has been crucified, there's only one possible physical outcome to this. The only question is when. Um, and uh, and yet we have, it is at the foot of the cross, there's the mother of Jesus, some of the other women disciples, and the beloved disciple, presumably John, um, who are remaining there with him. And it reminds me of how, uh, you know, many, you know, many nurses and doctors, you know, it's just the way that medicine is these days. You know, that's the one thing that's hard for them to do is to remain at any one patient's bedside. You know, they have to, Keep it's moving. very expensive. They have to keep moving around. Check this person's IV. Check this person's meds. Check this person's, you know, blood pressure. Every, you know, all the different things that have to be checked. You know, they're constantly, you know, going from one patient to the next. Um, you know, doctors can probably spend even less time, you know, with the patient because they have far more patients to take care of than your typical nurse. You know, but, but, uh, um, in some in some cases you see. Um, there are those who just remain. They just stay there at the bedside. There's a tradition in some of uh, um, hospices or nursing homes run by religious sisters. That's precisely what they do. Especially like our, our Hawthorne Dominican Our Hawthorne Dominican right. sisters. You know, when, I mean, our Hawthorne Dominican sisters were founded by the daughter of Nathaniel Hawthorne for one purpose, for one apostolate, and that is to care for those dying of incurable cancer, especially those who cannot, uh, don't have the financial means to provide for their own care. Yeah. Um, and so when someone is, I mean, everyone who comes there already has a terminal diagnosis. Um, but when they're coming to their last days and hours, there's always a sister that's with them, mm-hmm. you know, constantly just remaining, abiding with them. I know the little sisters of the poor, it's the same way. Yes. You know, they, they have a sister who's just there, 
present there continuously. There's nothing more that can be done therapeutically, medically. There's nothing else. You know, it's only a matter of time, like Christ on the cross. There's only one possible outcome. Right. But they remain. Now, I think there's something that um, our culture doesn't get precisely because it's materialistic. Mm-hmm. And But if you look at, at all this in the light of the objective truth of God, mm-hmm. then, there, then death is, in fact, the purpose unto which you live. Right. It is the necessary leaping out from this mortal existence mm-hmm. into immortality, first the soul, for, I mean, uh, the soul and then the body. When you come to, uh, to, the, to the cross, this is all our destination. And, of mm-hmm. course, we have a culture that runs from it. You know, whether right. you say, I mean, you've probably seen people who can't deal with funeral homes or, right. or hospitals. You know, people, mm-hmm. young people who complain, I just don't like hospitals. I don't know why I'm getting, but I can't, can't stay here. Right. Can't. And I think it's this terror, mm-hmm. this terror of that which will eventually come. And yet you can take it as a, a destruction of your life if you don't under the truth. Or you can see that this is just a leaping off point into the world to come, olam haba, like the rabbis mm-hmm. say. You know, that this is the beginning. This is the reason for which, as Christ was born in Baptism to die in Jerusalem, so we are born in this world to pass out of it. And the way we pass out is precisely uh, by being conformed to the life of Christ, which inevitably, whom we inevitably meet as we pass into death. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, I think this is something that the, the that the world does not get. This is, I think, the, the fundamental meaning, the sacrament of holy anointing, which is supposed to be done right. not for sniffles or colds, but for something that faces you with your mortality. Sure. You know, the serious illness, the the death dealing illness, the um, the the time in which you are going to be assaulted on all on all levels, mm-hmm. not just on the physical by your disease, mm-hmm. but you're going to have. You know, temptations to despair, you know, temptations to, re- to reject God, to, uh, to, to try to hold on to a life that can't be held on to instead of, you know, finding him in the midst of it and finding that no matter what your pain is, no matter how lonely you feel, he is there before you. And in fact, those graces, those, that life is the door which is in front of you. Right. Yeah. That's... Uh, and the world doesn't understand this. When I was a young priest, I, I did a stint in New York Hospital, and uh, I remember being called to the emergency room, and I then was made to wait. You know, while the doctors took care of this person, a, a, a man who had come in, he had complained of a, a pain in his knee, and all of a sudden he was drowning in his own blood. Mm. Um, whatever whatever incident happened, but they were trying desperately to to uh, to control it, and I wasn't permitted in. I I mean, I would have been happy to get to the big toe to right. do the holy anointing, right. but they That's wouldn't right. let me in. This wow. is the new way in the It wasn't this way when I was younger, in my father's mm-hmm. time as a doctor, but this is the new thing. And uh, because we are not, you know, you know that's another discussion. Uh, but at any rate, I, w- I waited, and then as I'm coming out, the doctor says, well, your turn. <laughs> but he was already dead, not just minutes, oh. just seconds maybe. But I mm. I quickly, as, you know, just in case the soul had not departed, I did quick anointing and then began the prayers for the dead. Right. And I remember thinking, and he was stretched out with his arms open. He had still had needles in his arms and legs mm. with a, with a, 
tubes on him. Mm-hmm. He was not even covered. Wow. It was like, I remember the scripture line, like a thing thrown away. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, um, so he's with his arms stretched out, and I'm standing there thinking, what a lonely death. You know, I'm, mm. he came in for a sore knee, and now he's dead. And I remember thinking, uh, as I'm praying, well, I'm standing here at least. Oh, I'm not alone. Because this is the cross. I mean, he looked like, in a right. sense, the, the yeah. reminded me of the crucifix. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if this is the crucifix, then Our Lady is here too. Mm-hmm. And if Our Lady right. is here, then all the hosts of the angels and saints and the Holy Church accompanies us in that moment. Right. You know, uh, for for this was this was a and and I and Holy Church was with him. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the way, the mindset we have to have if we're authentically going to serve each other as Christ asks us to. Right. One one another beautiful section of this document talks about the Samaritan's heart that sees. You know. The seeing heart, uh, and it says that whatever their physical, physical or psychological condition, human persons always retain their original dignity is created in the image of God. They can live and grow in the divine splendor because they're called to exist in the image and glory of God. Um, and so God became man to save us and he promises us salvation and calls us to communion with him. Here lies the ultimate foundation of human dignity. And the Good Samaritan... Um, is able to see that um, in the person, uh, to see even if the person seems to be um, devoid of, you know, of, of any health or, or strength or, or even it mentions the psychological condition, people mm-hmm. that seem right. to be even lost their own reason, you know, their mm-hmm. own ability to connect to reality or, yeah. or faith. I mean, that the heart that sees is the heart that sees the truth. Um, that sees with, with the compassion um, that sees the person really as a sacred and inviolable gift created by God with a transcendent vocation to a unique relationship with the one who gives life. I mean, it's powerful that image you saw of the man who is completely without anything and stretched out in the form of a cross, mm-hmm. you know, um, who still had with him, you know, the church mm-hmm. and, and also the angels and yeah. the lady. And then I had, of course, to announce his death to his family. Because the doctor right. didn't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but even that, you know, this is a this is a service that we give to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a beauty in understanding that Christ, no matter what we're suffering, whether it's sickness or death, you know, um, despair, you know, feeling but lonely, feeling uh, stripped naked of everything that we have counted on during life, which death. Tend, you know, an approaching death tends to do, that still, you know, Christ has been there before us. Mm-hmm. Christ is in the midst of us. And he invites all of the rest of us to be there with him for the sake right. of the one of us who is suffering the moment of uh, after a shape of his own agony. Right. Right. The document also points out um, some of the obstacles um, that, that stand between the right approach to death yeah. One of them is, you know, what's called as, you know, quote, a dignified death measured by, quote, quality of life. Right. You know. Um, measured in physical terms. You know, but it's always measured in physical terms, yeah. and it forgets the profound interpersonal, spiritual, and religious dimensions of existence. The second obstacle is a false understanding of, of compassion. You know, some people would say that, you know, the suffering is unbearable, and so compassion would be to just terminate the person's life, to take 
their life away. Um, whereas in reality, um, human compassion consists not in causing death, but embracing the sick and supporting them in their difficulties, offering them affection, attention, and the means to alleviate the suffering. And then a third factor the document mentions is a growing individualism um, where the other is viewed as a limitation or threat to one's freedom. Um, when the individual presumes to save himself without recognizing that at the deepest level of being, he depends on God and others. Um, so it's so that uh, that individualism, mm-hmm. which you know, which which thinks you know, which is related to the other ones. Like, well, if I can't do everything myself, then I don't have quality of life. You know, you know, this is a connection to the whole abortion controversy right. here as well. Right, yeah. right. But if you recognize that, you know, if you see with the heart of the good Samaritan, if you see that this wounded person on the side of the road, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's many ways of being abandoned on the side of the road, mm-hmm. including you know, even sometimes in a right. healthcare facility. You know, you see that, um, you know, in a sense, you're, it, it strips you of any, of any illusion that you are truly self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually brings, in a sense, an icon of the deeper truth that we're, we're absolutely dependent mm-hmm. upon God. We're dependent upon each other. I think a wonderful incarnation of all this teaching was the death of Pope uh, John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul, Mm -hmm. who really showed us in the modern world what it was to go home, you know, to to bring, take his illness to the end, like Jesus who refused the the drugged wine, you Mm -hmm. know, as he approached the cross. He shows us how to live, how to die, and um, invites us, I think, to do the same. Uh, again, to find our dignity in the dignity of Christ, who for our sake embraced death, something that our culture has absolutely no words for. Right. Even Christ became dependent, dependent on those who could help carry his own cross. You know, right. Simon of Cyrene dependent upon, um, you know, those who would, just as he was dependent as a little child, That's right. you know, to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. At his, at his death, he became right. utterly dependent. Mm-hmm. He had to be carried. Right. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I've been joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott. Let's end now in prayer, invoking the patron, the founder of the Dominican Order, St. Dominic de Guzman. O light of the Church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then